Hey, damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Wes. Hey, Wes is back. Hey, it's hey, Wes. Wes. Thanks for hey, joining everybody. us again, Aubrey's man. Aubrey's back. And yeah, Aubrey's back. back. That's right. Yeah, we got everybody here. This is our Book Club podcast, and Wes usually joins us for our Baltimore episodes. We're reading comics. We're talking to our friends, and now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. Ah, no, Wes is going to tell you about it. Wes, I'm, tell, I'm tell them about I'm, it. I gotta go. No, no, Wes, you have to, you have to tell them about it. It's a book club, and what do we do? We we all get together on a, on a podcast, and you guys tell us what we're going to read, and then we go ahead and we read it, and then we listen to you guys read it. And then we th- we think about what you said about the stuff that you read. And then we write a Hey You Damn Guys. And we're like, hey, this is what I thought about that stuff. And then you guys read the Hey You Damn Guys. <laughs> and you talk about it. And then we like talk more about that stuff. And in so doing, become really, really great friends and talk about other random things. And it's a book that's club. Friendship, that's a book club. Yeah, that's yeah, a book club. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Back awesome. to you, John. Awesome. Thank you, Danielle. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you so much, Wes. And uh, I also wanted to thank you. You know, I've been holding on to this package. Uh, Wes sent us a, a big box of comics Yay! over here. Uh, I've been waiting this? to. I've been waiting to open, open this, this box. Um, but I thought it was really funny. Uh, Wes, kind of before he when he before I received it in the mail, he was like, "Just a heads up, I did not send you a giant robot Hellboy," um, because that's, <laughs> that's the, what it says on the box. That's what the box is in it. And, I walked uh, in the house. I said, "What's this box? Yeah, <laughs> it's this big heavy box, John." I saw um, the box and I was like, what's that box? Oh, giant Hellboy. And he's like, it's not that. It's not. It's even better. Something even better. Yes, but uh did you get a did you get a giant Hellboy, Wes? Yeah, I did. I did. I got it. He's got one. Open it. Open nice. the box. I, I want to see his what's, uh, in what's in the box. What's in the box? Wait, which one were you doing? Seven. Oh, what's I remember it more like what's in the box? Oh uh, well we, we Yeah, what's in the Albert, box? What's we, the box? Been doing it you did like a Batman impression. You did like a What's in the box? Yeah, that's that's like Yeah. I think that's Albert, what's okay. in I think the that's box? a different thing. There's uh What is this? Oh, what's in the box? Bottle in John, here. open it. I'm opening this. You're not opening it fast enough. It's very well packaged. What is that? Oh wow, this is the Aww. Rogue. Oh wow, Hellboy beer. Look at that. Awesome. Is, this a, is this the actual Look at the uh, bottle? Never been opened. That's so nice. I didn't open that one. It's still. I don't know if you want to drink it. It's like te- 12 years old or whatever. I don't even know. Oh my god. Oh no, yeah, probably. Should I've always wanted one of these phony. though. That's crazy that it still has the. <laughs> the beer in it it's wow. printed right on the bottle like this isn't a label this is printed onto the bottle that's incredible yeah that was that. a cool one rogue did for hellboy's 21st anniversary wow thank you so much Wes. you know i don't that's, that's really the cool. only hellboy bottle that i don't have so now i like have because i have the wine bottle i have the the Hellwater bottle. bottle. I have all the beer bottles from gigantic but i i i've never had that one this is so. awesome Wow, Thank you. that's incredible. Aww. What a very yeah, sweet and thoughtful gift. Too bad he sent it to me and not you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that. That's pretty awesome. What else is in there? I'm blown away by that. Okay, here we go. Oh, oh, we got an actual it's an envelope. We got Open an actual it. envelope. Open it. Oh, yeah, I forgot. My wife real put that in there. Mail. Aww, oh, is this it? is so cute. Look at this. Aww, Aww. Look at that. This is the fams right here. We got a picture of the fams. Oh, looking so wonderful. Cute. Oh my god, this baby is so fucking cute. <laughs> wow. Oh, you guys look so cute. Y'all are so adorable and beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful family. 
I'm looking at it. What else is in there? We got the oh, Neil, Neil Gaiman, Gaiman, The Graveyard Book, Volume oh, 1 and shit. Volume 2, with illustrations by Pete Craig Russell. Oh, wow. uh, Pete Craig Russell, he's done The Vampire of Prague. This is awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Give, okay, give here, I'm passing that over. Oh, wow. Okay, this is like um, Black Science by Remender, Scalera, and... a lot of books. How many books Dennis, is this? Uh, Denisio... This is volumes one through nine. Of wow. This is a lot of books. Yeah, I've always wanted so I, to read. I just, like the things that I had library editions of that I also had trades, I, got, I gave you guys the library. Aww, I gave you the oh, nice. because you got the library editions of those. That's nice really yeah. sweet. Thank you. Oh, nice. That's very okay. thoughtful. And then we've also got the... Oh gosh, there's more books. The Descender series by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. We got the six trades of that. Wow. Look at that. And then this is incredible There's by so Chance or Providence. Here. Uh, here's a copy of By Chance or Providence by Jeez. Becky Cloonan. This is like, and it's in color. See, I have the hardcover one, but I don't think that one's in color. It's in black and white. I've never seen this. This is awesome. This wow. is a great book. Wow, Wes. This is wow, an Wes? epic haul. Jeez, I don't know what so to say. Stuff. Thank you. Yeah, you yeah, comic book day all over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just like it was stuff that I had. It was like the by chance of Providence I had ordered two by accident, and I kept the I kept both. I didn't return one, and then the, oh, wow. all the other ones were all trades that I had that I had um, also in library editions. So nice. like, like sometimes I'll give them to friends, or I'll get well, you guys are friends, so that's what I, exactly what I did. But yeah, or I'll or I'll bring them to like a used bookstore and I'll put them on the shelf. So you were saying that you had like each of us in mind with a certain series or is that right? Or what were you thinking? Yeah, should I tell you guys that? I mean, so I think Aubrey will love Black Science. I mean, I think you guys will all love all of them. I think I actually have one of those Black Science traits. Oh, nice. Okay. Do you? Got a wax it's good. I feel like here. it's like totally up your alley. Um, nice. Descender, I was thinking for John and I thought um, the Graveyard book was up Danielle's alley. But nice. nice. That was what I had thought. Nice. And then John, you had said you had by chance or providence. So I was yeah. like, you like if you wanted to give that to Aubrey, I think that'd be good. good cool. Nice, but, nice. Yeah, uh, I think Danielle really wants. I want to read it. No, I don't want to keep <laughs> yeah, it. I'll I'll read it though. Can I read it? Can I borrow your book, Aubrey? Yes. Nice. No, well, I I have that, but I have the. It's not in color though. It's not that version of it. That's sli- a it. slightly different version. I didn't even know that there was multiple versions. This is incredible. This is awesome. The version that I have, Wes, is a hardcover, but I think it's in black and white. It's not in. Hmm. It has no color, so. This yeah, because I think I got that from Thank Becky Cloonan's so like personal site. I'm pretty sure I ordered it from wow. her site. I think I just double ordered by accident. A graveyard book. Nice. Man, I'm just flipping through this. Yeah, this we're flipping incredible. through them. Yeah, the artwork in it looks amazing. You're awesome. The the covers on those Descender books just looks so fucking badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Descender wow. stuff is cool, and they're on Ascender now, and that might be wrapping it up. Mark Tweedo liked that series too. I shouldn't yeah, speak for think- him, but I'm pretty sure he did. And uh, and these are all titles that I've you know I I haven't read but I've heard are good yeah. so yeah thank you so much Wes this is incredible what a what an awesome comic bounty right. for the beginning <laughs> of the year you know what I mean very nice yeah thank you that's very generous and sweet thank you so much yes thank you Wes yeah yeah no problem guys there's just like there was like birth there, a few birthdays had passed by and. Aww. I went through a move and was I need to get stuff off my shelves. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We're well, very could, appreciative. Yeah, you could yeah. have easily sold all these. So this is very yeah, sweet yeah, of you. Very That's nice. very nice. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you. 
There's there's work in, that goes into selling it online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just throw it in a box and send it to the book club. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, yes, they will definitely get read, and, yeah. and maybe we'll talk about some of these on future episodes. Really good. You know what I've thought about doing with some of the extra ones that I have? Going and put them in those like little bitty libraries. Oh yeah, oh that's sure, a good idea. yeah, that's a yeah, great idea. Yeah. yeah, we have a closet full of. Well, we've started lending them out. Like we gave a, we lent a bunch to my nephew yeah. and stuff like that of extra stuff that we had. And yeah, yeah, good idea. Yeah, share when you get your library editions. Give away the other ones that you have. Yeah, and that's a book club. That's and that's a book friendship. club. That's friendship. Oh, all right. And now we're gonna go on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. feedback. That's right. You read a story, we talk about it. You hate them guys, us, and it's a book club. Get out, trade some feedback. The old feedback. The old feedback. feedback. (laughs) So, regarding our Baltimore book part one episode that we had with you, Wes, we heard from Jerry Turnbull. Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Yes. Damn straight. Uh, Jerry said, our own Nick Warmack, book club member, has a lot of those illustrations from the Baltimore book. Oh, wow. We were talking about, like, there's some panels of just, like, the barbed wire. Sure, sure. Or whatever. And we were talking about, like, how cool would it be to just own, like, that kind of panel or whatever. Like a sticky note? Yeah, so Jerry, uh, Jerry said to check out his comic art fans page, you know, where people post all their original art, so... He sent me the link, and so I'll share that in the show notes. You can go check out, see which ones he has. Very cool. We also heard from Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Book club member. Yeah. Drew Campbell. He said, pronunciation corner. All right. Yeah. Let's see. I don't even know where these words came from. They're all out of context. Um, (laughs) That's the best. (laughs) Fumito Uede. When we were talking about video game stuff, I think. I don't know. Um, Don't look at me. And then um, Eco, I think that was also related to something for video games. I don't remember. Um, Kiri, Kire, that was the um, the, the town. That was to? the town in Baltimore yeah. in the yeah. book, right? Okay. We were, but it, oh, okay. but that in itself is a reference. Drew said uh, Kire is a reference to Kire son a Christian prayer meaning Lord have mercy in Greek. See also this rad Mr. Mr. Song from 1985. Um, so there's a Mr. Mr. Song called Kyrie Eleison. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and do you know that song? Yep. Okay, yeah. I, so, I can hear it. Existed. I can hear it. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, I loved Mr. Mr. back in the 80s. <laughs> Do you know that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you know that song, Wes? Oh, I, d- I don't think I, I don't know. Oh, okay. it's not, it's not John's going to put in a clip. Here yeah, he goes. Here he goes. Well, I'll dance to it. Yeah, no. I was dancing, weren't you? Oh, man. Uh, I'm always dancing. Oh, man. He also said, uh, for what it's worth, I've always pronounced ice cross. So there's Demetrius ice cross. That's another word that we were trying to figure out how to say. But he looked it up. He found a bunch of different pronunciations. But he also interestingly discovered that 
the name is a reference to the ancient Greek word found in the Bible that means causing shame or dishonor or ugly and deformed. Okay. Because um, mm-hmm. that character, he's doesn't he have like a lot of scars all over his face? Yeah, his scars. He's old oh, and weathered. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Very rude. Yeah. Very rude. Just because you have scars doesn't mean you have to be rude to somebody. I know. I think I- Ice Cross, he owns it. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. Regarding our Catwoman Lonely City discussion... Got a Hey Damn Guys from Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. Yes. That's true. Uh, Hayden Orr says, great episode, you damn guys. You know, reading this last issue, it's so clear that a major theme of this whole series is Selena's greatest strength being her friends and her relationships. Yeah. It's friendship. Once she gets out of prison at the start, she's never really alone again, no matter how she may try to distance herself to keep people from getting hurt. It mirrors Batman's entire deal. Whether it's the Bat Family, Gordon, Superman, and the League, or just Alfred, Bruce's real power lies with his loved ones and the hope he inspires in his friends. Even when he intends to inspire fear in criminals, he can't help but inspire hope and courage even more in the people of Gotham and his fellow heroes. Selina is a mirror of that. She helps all these old rogues gain a new lust for life and inspires hope in them in this dystopian fascist future. I'm typing this as I hear you guys kind of get into this theme near the end of the episode, so you guys got it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got it. Also, Danielle needs the Agent Cooper special so she can catch all the small details. <laughs> oh, he's got the little magnifying glass. Yeah, I need yeah. it. I need that. All right, back to you, John. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. We also heard from Cliff Chang. Cliff Chang. Cliff Chang, book club member. Yeah. Did we really? Yeah, and creator of Catwoman Lonely City. Is that real? Uh, he said, thank you. It's been such a joy to listen to you guys appreciate the story and dissect all the what? details. What? Uh, wow. That is wild. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy, right? That's wild. Um, yeah, I think that... Um, Fun. I thank think, you. I think Thanks. He, I think he must be referencing nice. that uh, Aquaman catch that Aubrey had. I see. Where <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's the, a good catch. The blue and white... Uh, he was like, oh, I got to get on here and, catch. and make a comment just that for a- that. <laughs> That's very nice. Well, thank oh, yeah. you. We yeah, appreciate yeah. that. So, all right. Very nice. Yes. Look, if you ever want to come on the show, we'd love to have you. That would be great. We should definitely do that. Cliff Chang, read? book club member. Yes. Incredible. Right. Incredible writer and artist. Yeah. And everything. All of the things. He did all of that. We also heard from Christopher Egan. Ah, Christopher Egan. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher said, uh, Greasy Strangler. Hot take coming in no. from hell. The, the movie. worst name I've ever heard. That's horrible. That was that movie Hayden was horrible. talking about. From hell, the movie is my preferred version. It's a flawed movie, but its design and score are fantastic. I listen to the score all the time when I'm reading writing. The worst thing about the movie is Heather Graham's pretending to be Irish and Depp trying on a British accent. Graham is just poorly miscast. The movie rules. The book is good, but it's a lot. I was dying to get out on the James Cameron talk. I can't believe John hasn't seen True Lies. Yeah, seriously. Man, okay. So the other day, the other day I was like, oh, we got to watch this movie. So I went to go put it, and that's not on Hulu anymore. It's not a, oh, okay. I thought it was on like um, HBO or Netflix. I don't know. I couldn't find it. Anyway, okay. huh. well, I'll look at it. I know I just watched it recently on streaming. It's the first time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, oh, it matters, Aubrey. It matters. Also, From <laughs> Hell, that movie is no good. Oh, I love that movie. I know. I enjoyed I, it, too, but I haven't watched it in a long time. So maybe same, I should rewatch it. Same. I haven't watched it I don't forever. know if I've ever seen it. It's no good. I don't know if I've ever actually seen well, it. I, like, I remember watching the special features on that movie, and they talked about how... Um, they actually looked at reference photos from yeah. the murders to recreate mm-hmm. the murders and all okay. that. Uh, I thought the movie was fine. 
I like how the as, whole time it was like, uh, uh, I wonder who the murderer is. It couldn't be this guy that's clearly a murderer, could it? <laughs> well, I wonder. Well, in the book, you don't ever. They, they, there's never a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Christopher says about True Lies that he's seen it probably fifty times. That and T two were on constant rotation at my grandparents' house. T two is great. I am also a big fan of Titanic. No surprise to anyone. I was obsessed with some dark parts of history as a kid. Titanic was one thing, Jack the Ripper the other. And Drew Campbell joined the conversation and said, What did he say? What did he say? Book Club member, he said, I have nothing major against the movie. I wouldn't argue against it being a good Ripper movie, but the graphic novel goes so far beyond what the movie does and goes to some pretty weird places, as you would expect from Ellen Moore. Right, yeah. It's incredibly dense, especially the extensive annotations that Moore includes. Pretty much every detail of the story is based on some bit of existing Ripper lore or theory. He even acknowledges that much of it has been debunked. But if it worked in the story, he used it anyway. And Drew went on to say regarding that episode, when I watched The Greasy Strangler, I told my friend about it and described it as a cross between John Waters, Napoleon Dynamite, and Tim and Eric. Add in trauma like Hayden mentioned, and I think you've got a pretty good idea of how bizarre it is. Um, regarding okay. the, regarding our Lego talk, he said we're all big Lego fans in my house, and we love Lego Masters. Yes. I love fucking Lego Masters, so I burned through all the Lego Masters that was available, and then uh, so I found this app called Tubi. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you know Tubi? Yes, I know Tubi. He, okay. he watched all the Will Arnett Legos, yeah, so, and then he found another Lego. So they have the Australia, <laughs> they have the Australian, Australian Lego, Lego Masters. Masters. And then after that, oh, they man. have the UK Lego Masters, which I'm also going to be watching next. Um, I really enjoy those competitive Lego. I hate all the reality so shows. fucking tropes, obnoxious and annoying. But I, I love the competitive Lego building. I love seeing the different. If you could get an edit of just people building yes. the Legos yeah. and showing off the yeah. Lego. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, I enjoy all that. He said, my kids always get Lego for birthdays and Christmas. And a while back, my daughter actually saved up $400. For the giant Hogwarts castle set. Whoa. It was her first time really saving for a specific goal. And I was really proud of her. Wow. And the set is awesome. Awesome. Do, do you remember the first time you saved up a lot of money for something? Yeah. What was it? Do you remember? I got a computer. Nice. Okay. <laughs> nice. How much did you have to save up for that? Uh, I want to say it was like like 1200 bucks or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, what about you, Wes? Do you remember the first time you had to save up to buy something? I don't know. No, I don't remember what it would have been. I was like... Um, I got like a car for like around twelve hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. I remember I saved up for That's a long awesome. time, and then I would save up to get like work done to it and stuff like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Anyway, like I'm trying to think, like maybe like a video game system or something like that. I don't know. When I was younger, do you, do you have oh. any? Do you remember anything? I bought a Honda CRXSI hatchback uh, from my friend in high school. And how much right. was that? I don't know. It was like, I got to say, it was like $400 okay, or something. It, yeah. was the, it was an awful car. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> probably the next thing I saved up for was a tattoo, I imagine. Yeah. I don't I'm know. To think, like, it's just what... stuff, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be something like that that I saved up a lot of money for. I don't know. Probably a computer. A... Probably. I mean, I probably, yeah, yeah I don't or know. a video game system something or like something that, like that. Yeah. Like, uh, he said, I liked how when Danielle kicked it over to Hayden West to explain the podcast, <laughs> they tried to use, didn't we do this already as an excuse to uh, get out of it? Because <laughs> you have to do it. it all the time. I gotta do it. You got to do it all the time. So, yeah. yeah anyway, you have to do it. You got to do it. Good stuff. You do it. Again? 
do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by Titanic being James Cameron's best film. That's fine. Right on. You know, it's a good movie. Good cast. Should we watch that? Should we watch this movie? I know. We, I should watch it. I feel like it, we should watch it now. I've never I don't really know. actually watched it. I know everything about it. Well, sure. Much, I mean, it's, pop it's culture. permeated pop culture yeah. so thoroughly. I might have it in my movies anyway. Right on. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll, I'll, watch 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 it. It. I'll watch it. I'll watch. I'll watch uh, Billy Zane be horrible. I, I love that. He's good at it. We should watch True it's got Lies. An excellent wig in that movie. Titanic. I think. Oh, and then like I was talking about Legos and stuff. So yeah, this? we're talking about the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Uh, this the is the Falcon. The original. Uh, the original. The, ori- <laughs> the what? The Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon. That's the way. Are uh, you British? That's sure. the way uh, Harrison Ford. Says is that it. how he says it? Okay. Yeah. It's uh, Falcon. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Go ahead. Uh, Pronunciation corners. <laughs> You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon. So, okay. So you remember the one they released a few years ago that was like the $500 one? Yeah, not the, this not is the, fucking dope. Not the new one that's like $1,000. Aubrey's showing me a picture on his phone here. Go okay. Ahead. So this one guy really wanted the Falcon. The Falcon. No, it's Falcon. You can say Falcon. Uh, I'm all self-conscious No, now. I'm sorry. I'm fucking with you. It's uh, Falcon. So anyway, it's Falcon. He really wanted that Millennium ship. Uh, <laughs> the Millennium Falcon. So he found the the uh, plans, and then he just built it out this of random Lego wild. pieces. It's like pink and orange and green and yellow and blue. It's and It's all got, psychedelic. The party got, falcon. It's got Doc and Marty <laughs> sitting in the cockpit. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. I didn't even notice that. Man. What a great detail. This is. Oh, yeah. It, it was just like when y'all were talking about that, I was like, "Oh man, I wish I was here to talk about that." <laughs> all these random fucking pieces, yeah. Just like it's t- like he got into a kid's bin of Legos and just substituted each part with just a random fucking part. It looks incredible. Well, yeah, you know, back when um, I had mentioned this before that I wanted that Lego tumbler from the Dark Knight, sure. that Batmobile. And I, and I almost considered doing something like that, yeah. like just looking for the plans and just Lego seeing if Falcon. I could find enough Lego to like piece it together just out of random stuff or whatever, but I never that's did that. That's an excellent picture. That is, that's great. Yeah, the I'll Party Falcon. I'll share that. Very cool. I, uh, so good. John came home with a, uh, with a, uh, a Lego Batmobile. Yes. The best Batmobile from The Batman. Yeah. Nice. Robat, Bat and Bat. And uh, I love it. It was so much fun to put together. Yes. I had a great time. Yes. It looks great. It looks really cool. It's a solid. It's a solid Lego. He's got the rubber bat shirt on. He's got the shirt on. Uh, That's excellent. I had a lot of fun putting it together. I haven't played with Lego since I was a small child. Right. And you know what? Fuck it. It's fun. I had a good time doing it. We just sat down in front of a movie and put this thing together. And man, I had a blast. It was great. Yeah. And it's a good little good little car if I, I imagine if i was a kid i'd have so much fun playing with it because yeah. it actually is like a substantial yeah heavy like the tires are nice like it's it's just cool like it opens up you can put a little guy in there yeah it's fun there's a that video game lego dimensions where you have like the little characters you can place on the deck and they, they'll pop in and out so you can have like marty mcfly and homer simpson and batman okay. hanging out together right on uh but when you play the game you get to a point you're like okay now i gotta build something and it's something you build in real life but you only get the instructions in the game oh okay oh, wild. wow so it comes yeah. with the pieces and then yeah oh, that's you, to you get to that one part and you're like flip and, it's, and then it's literally like looking at a lego book and i'm just like <laughs> i had a, i had a good fun it was it was cool to just sit on the couch with the movie on and put, yeah. put this lego thing together it was very relaxing yeah. i don't know i found it very uh i was i was kind of surprised at how i enjoyed that so right. yeah. you know cool whatever it was very good. cool so now we have this 
uh, this the Batman Batmobile over here. <laughs> nice. Made out of Lego. Awesome. We also heard from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Book club member. I think Hayden mentioned that he was reading Little Monsters by Jeff Lemire. Mark said, that series is great. It's ending at issue 13, though. I'm trade waiting practically everything this year. I enjoy reading that way so much more. And I've let the impulse to keep up to date take too much control lately. I, I definitely feel that. You know, I had to like even some of the Hellboy titles. Like, there's so many of them now that like I had to like. I'm trade waiting two of them because I just you know yeah. can't be picking up all the you issues. Can't buy every issue of everything. Yeah, I, I will. It's definitely though. a better read. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a better um, read to wait. It's so much better to wait. Yeah, but sometimes I see those covers too. Like especially if there's like a Mignola variant. Like I was like, oh, well, I need to at least get that cover. But that's different, you know. He said, um, Danielle is so right. Avatar The Way of Water is not there for the plot. It's about spending time in that world. Kiri swimming around looking at things and Loke befriending a whale. That's all I need. Yeah. And those, good. those are all good I haven't good seen scenes, it, by the way. Yeah. I just kind of assumed. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm being presumptuous, but I mean, I kind of feel like, yeah, man, this no one's going to see the Avatar movies for like the, the fucking plot, plot of this. <laughs> you know, they're, you're going to fucking feel like you're swimming underwater with big blue aliens and a big whale. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say when John and I went and saw it, there was this like the seat in front of us had a little piece of glass like as part of the partition. And every right. once in a while, it felt like we were in an infinity pool. Nice. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Uh, Mark said, I think it may be my favorite James Cameron film. That mm. or The Abyss. I need to get in on that Abyss rewatch. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah we need to rewatch that it. one. I love, a, so I love good. an Ed Harris. Oh, we love an Ed Harris, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, oh. that, that part where he's getting crushed at the end by the pressure yeah. before he goes down into the alien thing, like, that part always was, like, so intense for me as a kid. Like, I was like, ugh. Anyway. So you're talking about the, the original theatrical or the special edition? I don't know, actually. The special edition is the way to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You heard it here. Heard. Aubrey, <laughs> you do have the best takes on which edition of a movie to watch. I will say that you've been right literally 100% of the time. No, well, it's sincerely. Aubrey is always correct about that. If you need advice on which edition of a thing to watch, Aubrey's correct. Well, when it comes to like James Cameron films, like The Terminator and The Abyss, they're special edition, or and even Aliens, uh, the special editions are better. But if they were to come out today, they wouldn't need to make the special editions because movies are just longer now. Yeah, right. they just let him right. do whatever he yeah. wants yeah. to because yeah. he's James fucking Cameron. I mean, what like, was that one that you was? It was Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade yeah. Runner. The final. Cut. The final cut is the, the final superior cut. Cut. It is. Do you um? Do you... <laughs> Sorry, so uh, do you have a preferred cut for Blade Runner, Wes? Which cut do you watch when you watch Blade Runner? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. You've yeah, driven I'm... him mad. I'll watch. You finally, did one. it. I will enjoy either one. He can't even okay. respond. He's well, like, what the are fuck are they, they talking about? <laughs> We've like been going for so no, long. I, I love Blade Runner. I'll, I'll watch the longer version, whichever one's the longer one. <laughs> the funny thing is that the final cut is actually like a minute shorter than the director's cut. But it's cut. better. Okay. It's better, though. But it is it is um, Ridley Scott's preferred version. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's his vision. All right. You heard yeah. it here first. Yeah. Well, not first, but you definitely heard it here for sure. That did happen. Somebody might have heard it for the first time. Mm, that's well, yeah. It, I did. Treat every podcast like it's someone's first podcast. Yes, yes. Like, like it's someone's first day on earth. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's why I always have you say the thing every week because 
And what if it's someone's first time I'll listening never say to the it, show? John, I never will. Yeah. You'll say it. You do it. <laughs> okay. All right. Excellent. Um, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And so Danielle can scatter to the winds. Oh, yeah, I'm scattered. <laughs> 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 say hi to snails for us. I will. I'm going to go hang out with some snails. And uh, they're, they are in the famously in the wind. <laughs> say hi snails. to the snails for us. Wind snails. Those wind snails. One, <laughs> Great. I now want to see a picture of a wind, sn- wind snail. <laughs> well, bye. No, 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 That's from good. Tombstone. That's from Tombstone, John. <laughs> Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. All right. This week we are uh, returning to Baltimore, like John said. We're reading the novel, and uh, we're going to be reading The Surgeon's Tale, Offertorio, which apparently means offering, right? In, yeah. Yeah. In Italian. Italiano. In Italiano. Bellissimo. I'll do the warning again. Just you know, there this there is graphic scenes in this. There are war scenes. There's violence. Lots of gore. So just a heads up to anybody who's tuning in for the first time. Uh, This book was published in 2007 by Bantam, written by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden. Illustrations by Mike Mignola. Beautiful illustrations by Mike Mignola. Yes. Oh yes. And then last we left off, we had the three guys met each other in the bar. Everybody was curious why. Baltimore had basically called them there. Why they all believed his story, Lord Baltimore's right. story. So they were why all going to tell their up. story. Yeah, and why they would show up. You know, or at least put context to why why they showed up. Like all sections, we start with a quote from Hans Christian Andersen, steadfast tin soldier. All the soldiers were exactly alike, with one exception, and he differed from the rest in having only one leg. All right. So, like I said, we pick up back in the bar. Doctor Rose uh, takes a draw from a cigarette. And he feels the eyes of his companions on him after being asked a question. He can still feel the smell and the stench of fire and death that he encountered from the hellish landscape of the war as he's like returning into his memory to tell the story. He takes us back to a time before the plague started when we still thought the Great War was the worst thing that could happen. That's That's a great line. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. So we're brought back to the field in Ardennes clearing where the allies were fighting the Hessians and we get a retelling of that night with Captain, Captain Baltimore, how they were ordered to cross no man's land with his platoon. The Hessians were ready in the trenches with the machine guns, and uh, Baltimore was the only one that survived. So we sort of get, we go through that again really quickly. It was early in the morning when Baltimore ended up at Dr. Rose's table. When Dr. Rose was through with him, he doubted that he would survive another hour. He lost a lot of blood. He was badly damaged, and he had gangrene had set into his leg. And then we get Ice Cross. Did I say that right? Uh, yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> Ice Cross asked so quickly, like su- surprised that the gangrene had set in so quickly. Yes, even at that time, I thought it odd, the doctor says. It, that's because of the sure. vampire smoke, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, he vampire blew the vampire smoke that he blew in there. So it was two days before Baltimore was fully conscious, he told Dr. Rose his story of the encounter with evil on the battlefield and the evil had touched him and how it visited him during his fever dreams. Baltimore feared that what had begun with him might never end. You say that's kind of accurate. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, we know that 
It's going to go on. We don't even know how long it's going to go on. Yeah. yeah. It'll go on as long as it makes money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could be. Baltimore drifts between dreaming and waking. There was a stink of blood and antiseptic and in that state made him feel as a boy again. And I think like he's telling what Baltimore had told him, right? Like he's telling the guys what Baltimore had told him. Right. So like in the first chapter, it was flashing back and forth with Baltimore. He's like in the war. And then he's also thinking about a kid's playing with the toy soldiers or whatever. Yeah. But he also talked about, didn't he talk about being like a sick little boy or something like that? Right. Yeah. In this chapter. Yeah. He goes, Baltimore like talks about how he was in a delicate disposition when he was a kid, he was sick a lot and his mother promised him that one day he would be strong and, and he would get his father's land and title. And he would become eventually Lord Baltimore like his dad. Well, he does. Yeah, he does become Lord Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does become pretty badass in his own right, I guess. He really does. Yeah, yeah. he definitely becomes strong. Strong enough to carry 17 guns and 14 <laughs> swords. Yeah. 37 knives. <laughs> who knows what's in and, and that peg leg. Yeah. Who knows what's in there? Yeah. He needs to get a hat and store some stuff in his hat. Yeah. <laughs> so... He gets pulled out of his dream during shrieks of pain from inside the uh, hospital, the church that was turned into a hospital, though he preferred the illusion of being sick as a little boy than what his current reality was. His left leg sang with pain as if it was filled with broken glass, he explains. And when his awareness came to it, arrived in a whirl of confusion. Around his beds were uh, curtains and shades of white and gray, streaked with dark stains, must have been blood. And a crimson handprint. Like, he really paints a picture of, like, a... Pretty, I know. Like, gosh. Yeah. That's horrible to wake up like that and... Yeah, I know. It's like in all those nightmare video games. <laughs> yes. No, that is exactly what happens. Yeah. So, and then in his little, I guess, like, cubicle, in his little um, curtain cubicle, he could see through an area where he has a stained glass window of an angel and a flaming sword driving Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. That's what a, is one of that? The, what is it's that? in the plague of ships, right? We saw it in the plague of ships. No, no I mean it's in Genesis. Oh, okay. No, that's yeah. an actual yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I remember like even when I was like a small child in like uh Sabbath school, they were like showing images and like there's this angel with this badass flaming sword and they Adam and Eve are running away. <laughs> it was pretty wow. pretty metal for church, to yeah, be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> wow, okay. Just stained glass windows inside of a church. So it's just one of them. Oh, different, okay. different scenes from the Bible. It's in uh, Plague Ships. The Plague Ships. Omnibus page. Hold on. 54. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Nice, Wes. Very cool. Yeah, nice I love it. Stenbeck nice. illustration. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Baltimore knows the place that he finds himself. Baltimore's battalion had taken a church to make a makeshift hospital that he hoped to never see it from the inside. Oh, um, wow. So he, yeah, he was in that mission, and then now, yeah, that's nuts. And you get a cool illustration of the church in that picture. It's like all right. chipped. I imagine it's like a bunch of bullet holes. It's probably what right. it Oh, right. definitely. The windows smashed yeah. out. Yeah. And then a bloody hand on the other page. It's cool. All this stuff coming up is pretty gruesome for anybody. It is. Um, it's pretty, pretty graphic. But uh, so he has that pain in his leg it's jolting through his body he could see slightly into the battlefield hospital like the hospital scene and in the place there's echoes of screams going on oh gosh uh, yeah ah. he sees <laughs> a deadly bot he sees a dead body being carried out by a couple people it's charred and uh there's just a severed hand on the ground like clean cut from being amputated wow on the floor it's 
splattered with blood. And what he could make out was more severed limbs. They're just going all around cutting parts off of people to try and yeah. save their lives. That's uh, wow. Yeah. And Dr. Rose like comments on like the impact it has on him as a person. Right. Yeah. That. But the pain continues in his leg. And then he starts getting flashes of what happened when he was asleep, when he got his leg amputated. So he's being held down by a red haired doctor. He looks down at his body. His body shape looks wrong. And then he I sees love it that like line. That's a great way to describe it. It just says that his body looks wrong. And like yep. when he it describes in graphic detail that like he moves his leg and he just sees the top half of the thing move under the sheet. Like that's such a, I don't know. It's yeah. very, it puts you in there. It's visceral. I don't know if that's the right word to describe it, but it's like only someone who had their leg chopped off would know that description. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's pretty, I don't yeah. know. It's, it, it, it puts you in a different mindset. Yeah, for sure. But you hear well, the stories of like phantom limbs and pain still exactly. being there. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, that's what he's talking about. That's an actual phenomenon. That's not like a magic thing or whatever, because, you know, a lot of this is magic, but that phantom limb syndrome does happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real thing. And he talks about it, how he feels like it's impossible because he can still feel the pain in his lower left leg. Right, right. Um, wow. And then his memories go back even more of what happened the night that he was infected. He had memories again of the kites feasting upon the dead in no man's land, the remnants of his platoon. He trembles as images came to him. He remembers the beast he cut. He remembers the beast breathing into his wound. It had felt like maggots wriggling inside the flesh of his thigh. God, then, <laughs> what, a, what a that's gruesome. Yeah, that's we the one a, you were talking about, right? John, yeah, you were like remembering that one. Yeah, um, but I like um, if you're looking at that page in the omnibus, page fifty-four, you get like an idea of that too, because he's in the bed and then it's flashing, you know, to those scenes of the battlefield and like this brilliant red color. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a nice comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get him when he looks at his leg too there, right? Like yeah, yeah. Leg. As he's feeling the maggots wriggling inside of the flesh of his thigh, <laughs> he starts to fall. <laughs> he starts to fall back asleep with pain. The pain in his leg haunting his dreams as well as war and monsters. The next time Baltimore wakes, it's night, not knowing how long it had been. And then there's an icy chill that runs through the church. He feels the maggots again and knows this was no nightmare. A man stood by him though he knew this was no man. The devil, gaunt and gray, colorless, save for the red slash, a knife wound that slit his face, brow to chin. His right eye was dark, hollow, an empty socket. Nice. He doesn't cut his eye out. Yeah. We get a depiction of that, too, in the book, right? We yeah, see that so scene cool. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love this illustration. It's sweet. Oh, but we also got a great Mignola illustration, too. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about the Mignola illustration. Oh, I was also looking at uh, page 56 by Ben Stenbeck of the Omnibus. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty close, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the face is the same on the top, and then his hair is the same on the bottom. Yeah, they definitely referenced uh, Ben Stenbeck. I'm sure he referenced this image from the book when he drew the comic. The creature that plagued him on the battlefield, whose breath had infected him, now as a man in man's clothing with a man's face, but the eye of a creature. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That he's got like a bat eye, you know, the one eye that's left. It's interesting that he refers to him as a gray devil, too. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if we get that anywhere else. The gray devil bent over him and he smelled the rotten meat stink of his breath and the carnal smell of the battlefield on his clothes. Baltimore had never been so helpless. 
which is funny because he talks about how helpless he was when he was a kid. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it says even the sickly child he had once been had never been so helpless. Wow. Yeah. 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 The creature traced the gash on his face. The monster had come to finish the job. This is what Baltimore believes. Baltimore, a man with no strength to fight. So he thought, so be it, he says to himself. The monster says, when you go from here, it whispered to him, you must remember this. We were content to prey upon the dead and dying, but you, you have made it a war between us. Remember. I always thought that that was interesting because, uh, is he saying like, you should have just let me eat you. You were dying. So why don't you just let me just do it? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to fight back if something's trying yeah. to eat you. And, and I mean, and he didn't die. He's, he's still alive. So he survived, you know, well, I mean. I also kind of took it as like they had gone to the point where they were just like mindless, um, right? Being yeah. on the dead uh, of the war and everything. But when Baltimore fought back and you know took his eye out, it kind of like snapped him back to consciousness. And so right? Like, yeah. Oh, right. I'm the hunter, and these are my food. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Aubrey. I think that's exactly right. In the weakened state from the interaction, Baltimore falls back to sleep. And when he awakens, finds himself alone again. Searching the room with his eyes, he sees a soldier with a bandaged head watching him. His flesh was gray, eyes lifeless and soulless as a shark. I feel bad for the sharks when he makes that comment. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) But Baltimore could see the touch of the devil in that soldier. And then we have a little soldier depicted there. Yeah. And that is also pretty well um, captured by Ben Stanbeck. This is on page 62 of the omnibus. We kind of like see that and it says the plague had begun. So as soon as he sees that guy, he's like, something's it's not right. Yeah. yeah, Something's not right here. Holy moly. I didn't even connect that. Though. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the plague had started. His, his flesh is gray. He's got the stuff growing on his cheek. So yeah, and that's chapter one. So then we pick back up in chapter two. Dr. Rose took a break from his tail to take a deep draught of ale and withdrew another cigarette. I was thinking he smokes a lot of cigarettes during this story, right? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it could be it's easy like to constantly... do. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. I, mean, I don't know how, like, yeah, he's just constantly pulling out another one. I'm sure he could use them. Right before I quit, I was, like, up to almost, like, two packs a day, so it just kind of slips up to you soon. Wow. You know? Yeah, wow, that's a lot. So Silger sat up a little bit straighter after hearing this side of the story, and another place he would have gotten a little bit attention from the women at the bar, but not here. The book says <laughs> ice cross says in all that time he spent with Baltimore. He never heard that story. Only bits and fragments of it. Childress said, it sounds like a nightmare and asks if there was more to the tale. Dr. Rose replies. I feel quite certain there is, but Baltimore had left his care at that time. Mm. Ash Rose questions why he told the doctor, Dr. Rose frowns and asks if the other two are hungry. Childress replies, after that tale, I think not. Right. <laughs> Ascross welcomes Emil. Childress warns them that the food would be like boot leather. Isros smiles. I've eaten worse. <laughs> As Dr. Rose gets up, Childress stops him and reminds him he didn't answer Ascross's question. I could not say with any certainty what prompted the young captain to share this story with me. Perhaps he felt a... He paused, and his two companions leaned in. Go on, Childress prodded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is an incredible tale. Most would not believe it, Asheros said, his accent blunting every word. Why did you? He had been about to suggest Baltimore told the tale because they felt a kinship with him. But he didn't need to explain this to these two guys. Would you have believed him? Asked the doctor. Childress asks about the illness Henry had noticed in the patient with the gray skin. 
asks what the illness was. A chill runs through the doctor. Ascros replies, is that not obvious? He didn't believe him then, but in the years since has come to realize the early signs were there. The early days of the plague were there and Baltimore recognized them. Childress asks again, what did you see? He repeats that Henry told him that story for a reason. Baltimore knew he would believe. And then Dr. Rose pauses and says, a story then. <laughs> As Crow stops him before he begins and asks if losing his fingers is what stopped him from being a surgeon. Dr. Rose's eyes widen as he replied, no, good Demetrius. Opium ruined me as a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He talks a little about, about the hard times that he went through trying to pay for this wonderful retreat in opium addiction and losing his fingers to debtors. Wow. Yeah. Not being wow. That's, that's nuts. He talks about like being in the high life and mixing it with people and then slowly like not being able to afford anything and then eventually losing fingers to debtors. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. And then Dr. Rose strikes another match. And he does it right before he begins his next story. So it's sort of like a little dramatic. I imagine. I know. That's cool. Yeah. He like lights the match and his face sort of lights up maybe. Yeah. I hope he has like a cool way of lighting it. Like how does he light the match? Like, I don't know. It's got to have some dramatic way (laughs) on his scruff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He he, he lights it on. He lights it on Ice Cross's face. He goes, come here for a second. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be perfect. It's awesome. Dr. Rose, he begins his story, and it is one he rarely tells without the aid of the poppy, he says. <laughs> his story goes back to the war. Like, I, was, I did a little Wiki, Wikipedia digging, but presumably the fall of 1914, so Henry lost his leg, or he was infected by the monster in November and then lost his leg in December. Oh, okay. So this would have been just shortly before his amputation, I believe. I appreciate that little bit of research right there. Very nice to fit this into the historical fiction. Yeah. So like he, like I imagine Dr. Rose just went through the story that we're about to hear. And then all of a sudden that happened with right, right. Um, Baltimore. So then he's like, yeah, dude, I believe whatever you tell me. <laughs> I think that's fair, right? So we end up in Northern Gaul. Dr. Rose was with a group of soldiers as a field doctor, the same situation as he was with Baltimore. Hopes were higher then to beat the Hessians. This was before the Allies joined the cause. That's what it said, but I don't I feel like maybe not. I don't know. Okay. It was bloody work and with the soldiers' courage was contagious. So it was like it was like, I don't know, it sounded like exciting times even though it was, right, it was rough. Right. They were camped in a small river village near Escondane. Okay. Northern France. Right outside of Belgium it looked like when I pulled it up on a map. Oh nice. Um, so that's an actual place. Very nice. I think so. Yeah. Uh, they had taken over school in this place as their hospital. The people of the village were still there, but seemed as ghosts. There was a bitter young woman named Marie Elena who had been a teacher at the school. The school was demolished after they were done with what they did. They just leveled it. Dr. Rose had become a surgeon to save lives and war obliterated those illusions. The soldiers he healed were sent back to the battlefield, the war and the hospital feeding each other. The dead and those who couldn't continue to fight were sent home. The men who lost limb were sent home. The men who lost their minds were sent to the front line. They made the best killers or the best shields. Soldiers were built for killing and dying. Yeah. Is, is how he describes so it. Like, God, yeah. There's some great descriptions on just the yeah, <clears throat> just the comment to the, the, the commentary on what that whole period must have been like, you know, I mean, because mm-hmm. they, they even talk about like um, at first they had experienced fighters, 
you know, and then after they went, after they ran through all of them and they're just sending anybody out there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a horrible thing to think about, even without the context of being vampires and werewolves. Right. (laughs) Yeah. War is scary, especially when you see a nuclear bomb going off when you're nine years old in a movie with robots. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say I was... 16 when that one came out okay i was i was younger than that i think yeah Yeah. definitely oh i did see it opening day though (laughs) sweet i think that'll scare you at any age it doesn't matter if you're a teenager oh yeah for sure whatever yeah you'll still be thinking about that all night yeah i mean it's war is horrific so one one cold misty morning the doctor was approached by a lieutenant agnar lieutenant is how they say it in the book in the audiobook oh really yeah (laughs) Of the Nordic forces. I looked up the Nordic forces, too. It was cool to look through them. I didn't really write down anything. I don't know. Back to the lieutenant, lieutenant kind of thing. I've heard that um, the English pronounce it lieutenant because of whatever reason. But the reason we in America call it lieutenant is because during the Revolutionary War, we were taught by the French, and that's how they say it. Oh, (laughs) okay. Interesting. I just saw that on the internet. I don't know if it's true. It could be bullshit. But there you go. There you go. <laughs> Got it. Okay. I read it on the internet. I like the disclaimer though. Very good. <laughs> it's like one of those like NBC. The more you know. I read it on the internet. Ding ding ding. ding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so the Nordic forces had found themselves in Gaul and joined joined up with the Allies. This is why I'm like, were, uh, the Allies were there or not there? I don't know. Essentially joined up with the people who were fighting the Hessians. Right. Lieutenant Agnar, Lieutenant Agnar. Wore a thick, layered uniform of the Norsemen and had the build, coloring, and bearing of his Viking ancestors. So then uh, Lieutenant Agnar brought forth a young soldier with him with gaunt eyes. Fix this one or I'll cut his throat myself, Agnar says. Rose saw a frenzied quality about this soldier and said, You don't look injured, Private. His reply, No, I have perfect health, with a laugh. His name was Hardbard, which is an awesome name. Hardboard walks into the window to find the sun, but only sees fog. So, like, right after Agnar says, fix this one or I'll cut his soap myself, he, like, he talks about how, like, when he's leaving, he took two steps backwards as though he had no wish to turn his back on us and departed. Right, and right. Like, so, like, that's another yeah, weird thing. Yeah. What yeah. the heck is going on? Yeah, he didn't want to turn his back on him. Yeah. Well, there's something off about the soldier. And then he looks out. Like, the way that I read, like, read this part was he looks out there with fear on his face, right, when he looks out the window. And Dr. Rose asks him, what, what does he fear? Right, right, exactly. But there's only fog. So the, you know, it's the sun, right, obviously, or something. Yeah, right. yeah you can't see the sun setting. Well, his fear is the coming of night, is what he says. Oh, right, yeah. Purposely not looking at Rose. Hardboard had dark rings under his eyes. And Dr. Rose wondered how many nights he went without sleep. Dr. Rose asked if he was brought to him because the lieutenant believes him insane. Hardboard shook his head. No, he wants you to believe that, but he is also afraid of the night. Afraid that when tomorrow comes, I will be the only man alive again. So pretty nice. Good. Pretty good. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's pretty good. Dr. Rose basically like, I don't know, they sort of go back and forth, but he encourages him to get to the point. He's like, uh, just tell me probably, already, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. The private insists he wouldn't believe. Rose assures him that he's got an open mind and that he'll listen. So we hear Hardbard's story. Fifteen days ago, his company entered a village in the Northlands. A light snow fell. I just, put, I just wrote that part. I added that because I thought it was nice. Set the mood. 
you know, how <laughs> yeah. Mignol's always set in the mood. Yeah, yeah. The people of the village did not want them there, it was clear. The elder of the village invited their commander to sleep under his roof. Eventually, the soldiers threatened the village to get food that the villagers weren't sharing. Uh, the villagers weren't afraid of the threats, and because of that, it made the soldiers even matter. Their sergeant tried to reason with the villagers, but they still refused to share. The villagers said that they did not need protection of the soldiers, but the village was defended by Biame, a terrible demon bear. And then Biame, I like, I googled it, but I like it was a, it's a like a Norse boy's name that means bear. Oh, okay. It just means bear in, the, in Nordic, I guess, or something like that. Yeah, that's what I. That's the all I could find. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can find more than that. I also looked up like demon bear, Norse demon bear. I looked up a bunch of stuff. And there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff when you type that in, but you know, I didn't know <laughs> if it was associated with. Right. Right. You know, well, that, it makes me think of like the demon from bear from like New Mutants or whatever. Right. Yeah. New Mutants had the demon yeah. bear storyline and uh, stuff like that. But um, I think that one was more like a Native American demon bear, and this is more like a Nordic demon bear or maybe it has to do with the plague i don't know so if we come to find the villagers give sacrifices to the bear and it protects them the soldiers laughed at this and stated if they don't change their minds things would get ugly we found out that hardbard is a great hunter and that a few men stay back i think six men stay back to watch the village and the rest head out to hunt this bear that they leave sacri- sacrifices for here we go o- the name of the offerings yeah exactly they want to go hunt the bear and then show the village what sort of protection their sacrifice gave right them. right so it's not long before hardboard can find the trail they smell blood as they start seeing more blood they start to see body they start finding body parts and more blood the body they find or at least i think the like the torso they find has the insignia of their company and it appears that the corpse was actually bait and the bear ends up rising up behind hardboard and his sergeant According to Hardboard, the bear was enormous, ancient, and covered in scars. Sergeant, he's probably friends with um, Ashros. Ashros. (laughs) (laughs) Sergeant Ego whispered something Hardboard could not hear and was entranced in some way. So he like went into some trance. That's interesting. Yeah. Like it had some glamour over him or something like that. I mean, maybe that's how it's able to like massacre so many people is like it kind of puts a spell on you or something. Yeah, I was thinking. Hardbard shoots the beast with his machine gun six, maybe seven times, and then in the left eye and out the back of the skull. It roared and dropped, collapsing on the sergeant. It lumbered, and Hardbard finished it with his knife in a gruesome battle. I mean, I can go into detail with that battle. It was pretty rough. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. This actually reminded me of The Revenant. Did you guys ever see The Revenant? Yeah. I have not seen that yet. Yeah. It's pretty graphic when he's fighting the bear or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of reminded me of that. And it also kind of reminded me of Daryl and the Universal Machine story. Wendigo story. Wendigo story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's right. You know, I guess I just spoiled maybe a little bit. Nah, nah. They're fine. Anybody who knows what you're right. talking about has already read that. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. You guys should be reading this stuff before we read it to you. What are you doing there? What are you doing? What are you doing? Right. <laughs> so, and then after taking down the beast, Hardboard blacks out and then later wakes up to his company firing shots at the dead bear. And they're celebrated and Hardboard was fortunate, or so he thought. The panels of the bear are pretty awesome. Uh, by I know Mignola. the eye and the mouth. 
So the sergeant and the soldiers drag the bear to the village. The men and women see this and cry and flee the scene. They set fire to the bear in the middle of the village, right? And in the morning, they took what whatever they wanted from the village after. So they dragged this, they're essentially like their god or what they were, you know, giving. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, they were kind of like... To. This is how well your protection is, or whatever. So yeah. So and then the and then the soldiers just take whatever they want from the villagers, even though they're there to protect the villagers. So it's right. Crazy. It's a little yeah. bit backwards, but that's war. It's war times, I guess. Hardboard becomes feverish over the next few days. When his fever had broken, Hardboard felt strong and full of life and ready for war, ready to go back. As he woke for that first time after his fever dreams, he awoke to the carnage of dead soldiers and the smell of blood and the demon bear. It's interesting that he could like smell the bear. Right. Um, yeah. And they describe a pretty gruesome scene. So yeah, he wakes up to the scene and then basically is all alone by himself and then goes off and is joined and joins up with another company. And so he's like, Hey guys, he's just all covered in blood and everything. He's like, Oh, everyone's dead where I'm from, but Hey guys, I'm going to come join you. And they're like, yeah, that seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then they die. Yeah, that's like, all right, man. Yeah, do it. And then, all, and then exactly the same thing happens to that group. That platoon. So clearly something's wrong with Hardboard. Right. There's well, a curse on this dude. Yes. He's a werebear. He's were a bear. monster. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So then he ends up joining up with Lieutenant Agnar's company. They find him, and then they just bring him here to this town. He told Lieutenant Agnar his tale, but he's not sure that Agnar believes him. He's afraid to sleep and find himself having killed hundreds. Ascros asked Dr. Rose if he thought he was a lunatic. Dr. Rose replies... I thought him disturbed, but not a lunatic. If the men were murdered, there had to be evidence. If not, an explanation. And what explanation? Asked Childress. Icecross held onto the arms of his chair and settled into it with a creak of wood, as though preparing for rough seas. The superstitious might think the demon bear pursued the soldier and tormented him, Icecross said, in his growl of a voice. Dr. Rose lit another cigarette and inhaled, tapping the matchbox on the table. Yes, he agreed. But Private Hardbard had other ideas. Mm-hmm. I like how he settles into the chair. Yeah. Like he's gonna for rough seas. Like, I don't know. That's all the descriptions are just really um they add so much life to the novel. Yeah, it does. And character, like you like you sort of get to know the characters. Yeah. So that's it, that's two. And then three is quick. So we pick right back up with Dr. Rose's story. He explains to the two men he is a man of science and rational thought. He's a rational man. There were only two explanations for what was going on with Hardboard. Either Hardboard was delusional or the god from the village was exacting vengeance on him. I like how he's like, um, these are the only two things that it could be. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's the only logical explanation. But he's right. I mean, he's right, I guess. But I don't know. I just think that's awesome. I guess there also could have just been a crazy villager that was following him around. Sure. Possibly. They got bear claws. Yeah. Right. <laughs> The bear, yeah, there's a bear, a bear following claws. him around, like just sneaking around, like <laughs> do, 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 behind like a big bush or whatever. Like they've got like a big old like disguise as like a fake rock or something. And you just see the little bear yeah. legs uh, going. <laughs> They're like, it's just there to go. Just go get the picnic baskets like a yogi bear. I'm smarter than the average bear. Yeah. So as Hardboard is telling his tale. Soldiers start coming in from the morning's bloodshed. Hardboard reiterates his story that the beast either follows him and creates massacre to punish him or that Hardboard becomes the beast. 
Rose must see to the newly injured, but to address Hardboard's concerns because he like he's like, dude, I need your help. You can't like you gotta, right. You Something's gonna happen. You help uh, everyone's gonna be dead. Yeah. So to address Hardboard's concerns, he's like, look, what we'll do is we'll go out in the woods. We'll journey far away. I'll climb up in a tree and I'll keep an eye on you. He's like, oh, well, I'll kill you. And he's like, well, let's just look. I need to deal with these patients. I'll see you at sunset. Like, meet me an hour before sunset, right. and we'll head out, and we'll go far away. We'll do and, I'll, something. and I'll keep an eye on you, and we'll see what see what goes on. And then Rose talks about how he's like, I don't really remember what happened much of that day. I remember the interaction with Hardboard in the beginning, and then we go and meet that night. I and chopped then, off uh, a bunch of legs and a bunch of hands and a bunch of yeah, and, right, and a bunch of fingers, <laughs> yeah. and 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 then I and then I met up with this guy again. Yeah, sent a bunch of mindless drones back into the battlefield yeah really by the time hardboard comes back dr rose is exhausted from the day's work that he did um but he's ready and willing to head out into the deeper woods he's also exalted in the opportunity to escape the stench and screams of the hospital oh my god a little, yeah a little quiet time in the woods yeah vacation <laughs> a little um, camp trip <laughs> yeah a little camping trip <laughs> So eventually they end up coming to a clearing that's perfect for what their plan is. And Dr. Rose, on Hardbard's instruction, or I guess want, ends up tying thick rope to his limbs. He ties him and binds him, I guess, to the ground or to some trees or just ties him up. Um, yeah, I think he's just bound to himself, right? Because yeah. I think he's yeah, like he's laying on the ground or something like that. Yeah, because it says he like... Yeah, it's like an opening. He has on like, a bedroll. Yeah, because it says like he binds his hands and feet, and then he bounds his arms to his side. You know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So he's pretty secure yeah. in there. So they bind him, and then Doctor Rose finds an oak tree to climb up to. Like oak trees are not easy to climb. Normally, the first branch is like super high. They are almost impossible to climb. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I, was I had two giant oak trees in my front yard growing up, and no, I was never able to get into one of them. Not without a ladder. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> But the, yeah, not without a ladder. They're beautiful and large trees, but man, climbing oak trees tough. Well, tough it says stuff. this one was split, and so he climbed into the crux. So I guess the crux was smaller or something. I don't know, lower maybe. Yeah, and it does yeah. say he had a hard time getting into it. Oh, okay. but yeah. So he climbs up this I tree, see, and then I want to see the, the the cut of him just like for like fifteen minutes. He's trying to climb up into the trees, all sweating. He keeps sliding down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Harbor's over there just watching him with his, like, he's tied all tied up, up. he's all just up. like watching him there he can't do anything no, move your foot to the left <laughs> yeah he's like you gotta scramble up there you gotta do it <laughs> he should yeah I mean there would have been no way for hardboard to help him and then no. he could tied up <laughs> he could just watch helplessly while he's tied up that's it <laughs> that's 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 a scene <laughs> so he gets up and and like you said he like where the trunk is split there's a crux there that he sort of situates himself in and gets comfortable um rose is set up to watch hardboard who's sleeping on his bedroll and hardboard falls asleep quick like he's needed this rest dr rose wraps a blanket around himself to keep warm um and is tired as well and would succumb to the weariness of the work he did for the day, but was prepared and brought smelling salts with him to stay awake. Have you guys ever used smelling salts? I have not. No. I, I remember they were in a lot of movies and TV shows I remember growing up. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I always felt like some point in my life I'm going to be encountered <laughs> with smelling salts, but I've never even seen one out in the wild. What about you? <laughs> Me neither. Okay. Yeah. No, never. But I'm like, I want, I want to try it because, like, is it real? Like, would it real? Like, I, I, 
struggle sometimes staying awake yeah. with stuff where I'm like, nope, I got to give in. It's time for me to go to sleep. Right. Yeah. But would it work? I'm like so curious what it would be like. I mean, does it actually wake people up too? I mean, what the hell do these things smell like? I don't know. <laughs> does it like course, like does it trigger adrenaline or something? I'm so confused. Ugh. So intrigued. I want to try it. So shortly after midnight, sounds of a, a rhythmic growl start. <laughs> Peering down, trying to find the source. Like I imagine um, Dr. Rose like looking all over the place frantically. He must have dozed off a little bit, right? I imagine because right, yeah, yeah. watching hardboard. So and you're just there in the dark. Off. Like I don't know if you've ever been like out in the like a clearing in the dark, but after a while, like your eyes just start you can't really see anything in the dark. Like after a while, you're just like looking into nothing. So yeah. 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 And it, I mean it, well, hopefully they pick picked like a full moonlit night. Right, or something. Yeah, I was wondering, is it a moonlit night or is it like because they were talking about there was no, they couldn't see the sun in the morning, right? So maybe they'd still like covered in like mist or clouds or something, right? Right. Yeah, you're right. There could be like mist and fog. That's true. Well, he finds the source of the noise, and it's just the soldier fast asleep snoring, and he's relief. Rose starts to like think about how Hardbard was delusional, and he's like cursing at himself for believing his tale and giving like giving him this opportunity to go out in the woods. And he's like, we should just, I should just get down, wake him up and let's head back to town. This is stupid. Starts preparing to climb down the tree. And then the snoring starts to get louder and it starts to turn into a heavy growl. Hardboard sleeping form begins to twitch. So he's like twitching on the ground and he's growling loudly. Hardboard, this part's weird. Hardboard, his mouth begins to stretch impossibly wide, and dark forms start jutting from his throat, forcing the jaws further open. Yikes. Yeah. I was thinking about asking you with all the werewolf movies that you watched over Halloween, did you see anything like this? Yeah, I was trying to think if there were any where it like came out of their mouths, but I don't, I don't think so. There, what's the? Um, I think there there is one. I, I feel like I've seen one where the, where the snout comes out of the mouth. Is that the one like with Jack Nicholson? I haven't seen that one. Oh, I didn't watch that one. I that's one of the ones that I didn't watch. I should have I should have checked that one out. Wolf, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. From the Howling, there. I, I, it happens in the Howling. Uh, okay. And I, and I did watch that one. I, I think something like that happens in the Howling. Yeah. Yeah, but the whole description of what happens is like super gruesome. Like I was like reading this, I'm like, this would be kind of bitching to see in a movie. Right. Yeah. If they could pull it off. Yeah, it's like a skin suit. Like he pull, he comes out of a skin suit. Yeah. It could be either really good or just really horrible. <laughs> Or really kind of silly because it almost describes like he's pulling it down like it's a like it's clothing, you know, yeah. like it might. Yeah. Like you're basically watching a bear take his pants off, <laughs> yep. like stepping out of a pair of pants. You know, you get it off one leg and it would be tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you'd have to like kind of like yeah. wriggle your foot a little bit, you know, to get that last pant leg off. Yeah. Skin leg. <laughs> you can imagine you get stuck. He's like stuck. He's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> should have taken my shoes off first <laughs> he tries to like pull it off and it like snaps back or something right <laughs> anyway well it does it reminds me of a few like other things like uh, well harrow county like that skin suit oh right okay yeah, yeah. Right? It sort of reminds me of that it also kind of reminds me of like johan sort of like comes out of his suit oh yeah even, yeah i guess yeah. daimyo I was also thinking of, yeah. oh yeah, Daimyo a little bit. I was also thinking of um, the Crooked Man. Remember that witch that like she turns into a totally. raccoon that leaves the skin or whatever, and then it comes back into the skin or something like that. Oh yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is it's definitely a theme that we've seen before. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. 
It's wild. It's weird. So Dr. Rose explains that he he feels as though he was transported out of his world into like a foreign world. He was basically transported into a place that he doesn't know. Mm. He was frozen as he watched. The bear came emerging, sliding his skin off as though it was a suit of clothes. Standing 10 feet high, it sniffed the air and started off into the forest. Rose saved by the wind carrying his scent away from the beast. I wonder what sort of shenanigans the beast got into. That yeah, I, I don't know if they really say because I, I guess he doesn't say like I went back to the hospital and everyone was slaughtered, right? Or no, he was just like, how, yeah, no. maybe he just like went. He's like, oh, good, I can just relax and go chill in the forest. Oh, right, he went in like yeah, he went in like uh, sang bare necessities from a Jungle Book or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> if a bear's alone in the woods, how do you know it's not singing bare necessities? <laughs> It's true. It's a good point. And you get that nice Mignola drawing. Get that Mignola illustration of the bear. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, do you ever see um, bears like when they're rubbing their back against a tree or something like that? Like they're yeah. scratching themselves? <laughs> yeah. Like just that for like 90 minutes. Like he just <laughs> just doing that while like the Benny Hill music plays or something like <laughs> just a bear just doing that. That's all that he did. And then he came back. At some point, a, a honeycomb falls out of the tree and lands on his head or something. <laughs> yes. That's so good. Yes. Incredible. And just jumps back into the mouth of the guy. <laughs> So Rose waded through the night, he explains, and the bear returned before dawn, slipping back into the skin, you know, after he had his honey and his scratching his back <laughs> on the tree, slips back into the skin of the soldier. Yeah, I don't know. It just remind, it reminds me of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. It's super weird. It was like, does the skin become elastic-y, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or no, he's getting smaller as he gets into the skin, I, I would think. Like okay. He's turning. Yeah, like he's all spirit, almost like a spirit. Yeah, 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 or something. I don't know. So, and then as he gets into back into the skin, he also goes back into the clothes and back into the ropes and the that he was bound with. Right, right. right. He just like slips back into everything, and he slips back into like a sleeping hardboard, like as if he was never, never even woke up. Hardboard. Right. Morning came and Rose came down from the tree. When the soldier woke, Rose told him the truth of everything that happened. Hardboard asked the doctor to indulge him one more time and to tell his lieutenant he is cleared to return to combat. Right. And yeah. Rose is sort of like, hey, I got to know what your plan is for this because I'm not going to like right. agree to this. I don't want to put the people I'm supposed to protect in danger. Hardboard has a plan and vowed he would not harm any of his countrymen. On the battlefield, Hardboard surrender goes and surrenders himself to the enemy. And then the following morning, there was no gunfire from the enemy line. Yeah, that's Upon the smart. allied investigation... Yeah. I know, yeah. it's super smart. So then the eventually the, the allies start to get brave enough to go and investigate what's going on, on the other side. And they find the Hessian encampment massacre. Everything's ma Everybody's massacred there. Right. Not a soul left behind. No sign of a bear or any beast. But they did bring back the strangest thing, he explains. It was taken to the hospital to confirm what it appeared to be. The skin of private hardboard still in his uniform. Yeah, so I guess like because he just became the bear and he's the bear yeah be, because i mean well he killed the he killed the bear so he became it so then yeah. i guess maybe i don't know if he just stays so the maybe bear he does it a few times now he, he just, he's yeah. just like he's just like i'm just gonna stay the bear and then nobody else will have to be cursed by it but like i i wonder well, he how killed he killed the bear 
So maybe that bear had at some point been a person that eventually lost his skin and never transformed back to a human, or he can't yeah. transform back to a human because he doesn't have a skin anymore. Oh, that's right. No, yeah. So somebody else became it? No, I'm thinking he's just the bear. He's out there and he's the bear. Right, Yeah, right. that's what I'm thinking. He's, he's just, just running around in the woods, scratching his back on trees and eating honey. <laughs> Singing bear necessities and stealing picnic <laughs> baskets. <laughs> yeah, taking some picnic baskets. Shit, maybe he even went back to that village and lived in that old bear cave. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, the yeah, one, the he yeah. became the new bear god or whatever. Yeah, yeah, hey. he could have. Yeah, that's really good, Aubrey. I like that. Maybe Very he went good. back to the village and to protect the villagers. Nice. Interesting. I like that. I like that turn of events. The smoke from Dr. Rose's cigarette curled lazily in the gray afternoon light. A muddle of low, dreary voices surrounded them. Dr. Rose smiled at his companions. The world was no longer ordinary to my eyes. That, my friends, is why I believed the tale told to me by Captain Baltimore. Dun, dun, dun. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's um, why I believed it. I, I love hearing. So, you know, I guess like, I don't think this, is, this spoils anything, but like, I love this format of the book. Like, it's like these three guys sitting around talking, telling their stories. And so now we've gotten one story. Uh, the next one that we're going to get is the sailor's tale. So. You know, they all have different stories where I just like hearing all this yeah. stuff about the world. So, like, you know, in the Baltimore comic, I don't think we've come across. Have we come across like a demon bear or like a were bear or any kind of werewolf type of thing? Not that I can recall. Yeah. But not it, in the first omnibus for sure. But you know, I'm trying omnibus, to remember yeah. the second omnibus, but I read it. I didn't even read that that long ago, but I haven't gone back through there because i'm sort right. of like you know doing it with you guys at this point yeah and there yeah. i mean there was a ton of a ton of monsters in that dr Lescovar. you know they they all mm-hmm. turned into monsters and stuff like that took potions to turn into monsters but it wasn't really like a where you know yeah. but there was different monsters we yeah. got that yeah we got the snake the big snake in the church that people were worshiping oh right yeah uh, yeah. yeah the basilisk or whatever good job okay mm-hmm. so there, there are like there's tree demons Tree demons. tree demons yeah you're right okay so there are some of these like supernatural things i wonder if that's part of the plague or if that's just like an ancient bear no, I think curse it's, i think it's just an ancient curse because um he mentioned that it was at the beginning of the war and so before the war it was before the plague oh right yeah yeah before before those guys woken up but like yeah, things yeah. were periodically waking up or things had already existed you know yeah. i imagine even like the hellboy world like there are still some people that don't believe in monsters even though it's like you know they're seriously monsters right i mean right. look out your window there's a fucking audrey ham yeah <laughs> <laughs> well at that point yeah everybody believes i guess <laughs> All right. Excellent. Yeah, I'm loving this book. I'm loving going through it. And um, Christopher Golden, man, um, I think that Mignol is kind of doing the broad strokes and Christopher Golden's putting all those little like details in there. They're so good um, that he really fleshes out these characters in a real pleasing way. It's excited when they show up in the comic because you're like, ah, I know this guy really well. Um, Mm -hmm. So Dr. And Dr. Rose seems like a badass, too. He just like he smiles and he laughs at like the weirdest stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's so, and he's missing fingers and I don't know, his whole attitude about things seems very cool. Um, I would love to like figure out who would, who would cast him or who we could get as like fucking cool Dr. Rose. But anyway, um, let us know what you thought or let us know who you would cast as Dr. Rose. Great job on the notes there, Wes. That was excellent. Yes. Thank you, Wes. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. fun. 
Yeah, that that was a fun story. It's just um, it was kind of like cool, like seeing like you know like the description of like the smoke blowing into his legs, being like maggots crawling through, and I was just oh, like, yeah. oh, that's so creepy. But then like to get this completely unrelated story that we haven't gone through yet, and it's just like, oh man, that's fuck fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Yeah, but I I do like that twist where he's like, well, I'm just gonna surrender. And yeah. then they'll take me over there, and then I'll just be able to like massacre everybody over there. Like that's, oh, that's I mean, that, why, why not? Yeah, <laughs> pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good. And now Aubrey's gonna say all the things. All right, everybody, that was Baltimore, the steadfast tin soldiers, and the vampire, the surgeon's tale or whatever it's called <laughs> uh tell us what you thought would you like a demon bear story um uh, send us a hey you damn guys at book club member comics at gmail.com follow us on facebook and instagram at book club member comics and on twitter at book club members if it's still around you could also find all of our resources on our podbean website our facebook about section and our link trees on instagram and twitter as always, special thank you to Paul from God of Harm for the listener feedback theme. Yes, thank you, Paul. Uh, thank you to Only Beast for the uh, for the theme music. Yes, you're welcome. And uh, thank you, Ross and Matt, for the logos and the banners. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Wes, for doing the notes and leading us on this journey through demon bears and crazy shit. Yes, <laughs> and thank you for the comics, man. Thank you for this awesome yes, gift. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, and we're definitely going to enjoy these. Yeah, no problem. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, and when you're there, open it up and give us that five-star review. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Have them join the book club. Everybody's welcome. And everybody should join, because it's a lot of fun. We get goofy around here. Yes, do it. Next week, we're doing Scott Pilgrim for real. Okay, so this is Scott Pilgrim, Volume 2, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. But we're only doing the first half of it, so it'll be chapters 6 through 9. Because the damn thing is pretty long. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's a lot to happen. Hopefully you guys have already read it, but if you haven't, now it's time to catch up, read it, and uh, join us next week on Book Club Member Comics. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Westman Tice. And I'm Aubrey Loveless. The skin of Private Hubbard still in his uniform. No! <laughs> oh, no! Gross. Weird. <laughs>